Hey Changemakers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Morillow and I have another great guest lined up for you today. But before we enjoy a deep conversation together, I want to remind you why we're here. This podcast, it's about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, purpose, impact, and prosperity for all. We want to encourage you to think a little wider about your own life from your personal and professional development to also ask the question, how can I make a meaningful difference with my life? It's time for us all to find a way to live in resonance with each other and all living things. And at Sacred Changemakers, we're here to help, to build the foundations of a more equitable, loving and resonant world. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Sometimes we'll be interviewing changemakers and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. But first, a word to our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Coaches Business School, the world's leading business training for coaches and consultants, helping them to succeed in business so they can make a meaningful difference in our world. Go to coachesbusinessschool.com to get the tools, strategies, and frameworks you need to enjoy growing your business in a way that is profitable, predictable, and purpose-driven. A big thank you to all of our coaches, because without them, this wouldn't be possible. Our guest today, then, on the podcast is Jordana Eyre, founder of Modern Day Sorcerer and the internationally accredited Sorcerer School. Jordana helps leaders access the energy systems inside their bodies and businesses to bridge the gap between business and spirituality. As she states, leaders today require the presence of Buddha, the perseverance of Mandela, the compassion of Jesus and the fierceness of Gandhi but don't have time to sit on a mountaintop to get it. So working with leaders from Fortune 50 companies and solopreneurs alike, Jordana helps them to automate their personal growth so that transformation occurs on a subconscious, automatic level. And today we're gonna to be talking about creating change when people are committed to avoiding it at all costs. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Welcome Jordana. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. It's really great to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk about you because I have a sense we've got quite an overlap in, in what we're passionate about here, Jordana. But before we dig in, let me just ask you, you know, our, our listeners have just heard your professional bio, and I'd love to kind of take a sneak peek behind that and just ask you something about, you know, who is the real life human behind the bio? Who is she? I I love that question. What's what's intriguing, I, or I don't know if it's intriguing, it's just me, <laughs> that who I am personally and professionally are not actually separate at all. Because who I am professionally comes from that deep knowing, the guidance, the calling that I felt literally when I was like <laughs> literally as young as I could remember. So if you fast forward to like the human today who was guided by that deep knowing, well, actually, no, I mean, I'm not supposed to flash forward yet, apparently. What, like, I keep seeing the little me who really the truth of her is what facilitates me and my expression and experience in my humanity today, which is she just knew what real power was, like authentic power. 
and she wanted to help humanity <laughs> get to that place at all. And not at all costs like in the harm of others, but at all costs in terms of whatever it takes to help us all be able to have shared power and expression. And she knew that and she knew that false power structures were just not what the world needed. And so that's like today, that's how I flourish is in that expression of whatever it means to get to experience the authentic power that wants to flow through me, whether it's through, you know, adventure and like out there exploring the world and doing, you know, cool outdoor sports or whether it's through my work or through my relationships. It's just I'm all about getting to really experience like the motion of the ocean of life flow through me in service and getting to witness other people experience the same for their very unique forms of service. It's just, it's what drives me. And I love that how you talk about the, sh the expression of shared power. Cause I think from my perspective, that's something that's missing in a lot of areas of life and, and particularly business <laughs> right now. So um, I'd love you to kind of take us a little bit deeper into that. I mean, what does that mean to you? Gosh, what does shared power mm. mean? Um, so what first feels right to say is actually what shared power is not or what right. needs to what needs to uproot itself so that we can have it. Mm. And uh, like the, the, the thing, so emotions and how important our emotions are and how important our feelings and our sensations in our body are. When we are resisting those, when we are avoiding or distracting from those, we're unable to have shared power. And it seems ironic, right? Because we see so many expressions of false power where people put what appear to be emotions on each other. They put anger onto each other. They put fear onto each other, but that's not the expression of the emotion or the feeling, right? That's simply the mind's projection of it. And so what, like, what is possible in our space of shared power is made possible through our connection to ourselves and our and the energy systems in our bodies, right? Our emotions, our feelings, our physical sensations so that our bodies can do the jobs they want to do to clear out the space of the mind's projections, to clear out the old traumas we've been holding on to. And that's the beauty is that shared power, it's a flow. It's something that always wants to be here with us, in unity with us. And all we have to do is clear out what's in the way and then it helps us step into it more authentically does that make sense it kind of does and it reminds me of um a word i use quite a bit which is this this word resonance which um for me is about the energetic connection the quality of connection we form with ourselves first within and then outside of ourselves with other people and when you said shared power there, so one of the things that I, I think about is like in this conversation you and I are having right now, you know, there's, there's you, there's me, but there's also like universal energies and, and whatever wants to emerge between us, as I see it, is, is that kind of what you mean by shared power or is it something else? So it is, it is. And the universal, it completely is. And the universal energies they're, they are a flow, right? It's not energy that's stagnant. It's not something we can grab hold of and grab tight and have. 
Right. Universal energy is our energy that's moving through us and through our space and time, right? And so the only like uh, the only way to really be with those universal energies is to step into the flow of them. Right, right. I totally get that. And it seems to me that you know, as you're speaking, I'm just feeling like, okay, we're kindred spirits here. I get this. <laughs> I <feel laughs> so <that too. laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, because what I know is how much the world needs to understand some of what you're talking about here. Because you just talked there about flow, and and flow is a word that you know, I, I suppose it started to come into the vernacular a lot, a lot more in the in the past few years, but. I mean, it's something that I think is also a little bit misunderstood by some people, you know, things like, uh, and I'm going to bring this up with you because I'd love for us to riff on it for a bit, which is like the secret when the energy of attraction and, and some <laughs> of the misunderstandings that went around that. I'd love to get a perspective <laughs> for my listeners from you on that, because I know that that's something we've talked about in community before and is something that you know kind of confuses people sometimes so what's your sense of of yeah. like those attraction and that that being in flow kind of energy? Mm, i love <laughs> that you bring this up love it love it love it now first of all i want to preface anything i say it's not a making wrong of any of us that yes. have ever you know any of our listeners or any of us that have ever experienced this or or see ourselves as this right this is humanity but it's it's really so it's such a common i'll say misperception but conception out there that flow is ease and the thing is ease comes from flow however and <laughs> flow itself that is the thing that creates ease isn't always easy right it is the duality of our nature and literally 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 so like the studies they've done about how DNA transforms, for example, DNA requires a burning process. It requires like, you, you wanna know something really interesting actually? Mm -hmm. They did studies with DNA transformation where they found um, the imprinting of like a cross. And I am not at all religious, um, but it's to say like the idea of, res of, like, of like death and resurrection, mm -hmm. right? In our DNA transformation. And so where I'm going with that is flow requires that. It requires the death and resurrection. And we can't be resurrected, quote unquote, to step into the ease or let ease be easy. <laughs> <laughs> until we've integrated like really 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 integrated the quote-unquote dark stuff the difficult stuff the dualistic stuff the crunchy the places where we want to control the places where we're so afraid even unconsciously all of that stuff right and and i find what i find the most i guess you could say ironic and also intriguing and interesting is that change makers, it can be easy, it's almost easier for change makers to bypass unintentionally flow to get to ease and in the attempt to get to ease and just bypass it because change makers have a deep knowing of what's possible and so they just want to go straight there <laughs> instead of like really honoring and acknowledging their humanity mm -hmm. in sure, you know what's possible, but actually fully embodying it, actually having your mind and body be in a space where you can carry that change out and other people receive it. It requires you integrate and purge all of the stuff that hurts. Mm -hmm. And that's and flow. 
Yes, and it sounds like you've stepped fully into yours um, from what in this brief time that we've been talking already, I already get the sense that you're already kind of moving into that and, and fully open to allow that to move through you. Because one thing that I caught in your, uh, you know, the person behind the bio was that you talked about like a calling, like that deeper sense of knowing inside from being very young. So I'd love to ask you, like in the context that we're talking about here, like what do you, how would you describe your calling? Oh boy. Oh, you know, I don't think I've ever been asked that. What a good question, Jane. So mm, I would describe it as a pull. And what's so interesting about pull is humans notoriously push back when we feel pull, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So I, I would, it is a pull. Um, it is also very much a knowing, like, it's like those things you just know. Mm-hmm. I will also say though, I have found that my calling certainly, because you can't like, you can't, when I first had the awareness of, oh, holy what? I'm a sorceress. When that first was like, oh crap, I really am that. <laughs> I knew in that very moment, oh, well, shoot. Like if I'm this, and this is like what I'm being asked to step into, then I have to become that. And you can't allow that kind of power or claim that kind of authentic power without really integrating all the darkness there. Right. And so, and so like, in terms of the calling, my calling has come with just as much resistance, just as much pain, just as much grief, just as much anger that I've had to process. Like to me, that's the calling. In fact, like, so my partner now, um, I've been with my current partner for three and a half years and he runs the business with me now. And it's, it's magical and it's amazing, but it's, it's interesting that we do, we deal with our shadows in very different ways. And he has learned like in the deeply crunchy moments where I'm like, this is it. Everything's over. I know everything's not over, but sometimes (laughs) I have to go into the depths of the soul and proclaim that and actually go there and be willing to let that be so so that it can purge. And he's learned at this point not to worry about me. <laughs> Just to give me space. You give me a few hours at most 24 hours. I go deep into the dark and I always come back out. I love my life. <laughs> that to me is my calling. And I know it's my calling when that happens. So what would you say your your business and your work is in service of? Oh gosh, great question. You have such good questions, Jane. <laughs> so it's in service, you know, on the whole, it's in service of everything. And it's taken me a while to get a grasp on that because I've always seen it in service of humanity and authentic power in humanity. And those who are led by their deep thoughts and deep feels. But the more I break through lovingly, I'm able to break through the barriers of places where maybe I wouldn't have previously been accepted or, you know, the the people that you would think are false power and wouldn't let my work in. Mm. The more I see that really it's in service of humanity. And then the more 
my work is able to touch the lives of really powerful change makers, the more I see, you know, I have clients who are very widely impacting what's possible with our environment and environmental change and, you know, other areas. So I see, holy what? My work is in service of everything, ultimately. <laughs> I love that. And just hearing that makes me feel exhausted. Let me just be honest. <laughs> oh, it is so much to hold, which is why those days of purge, I'm like, this is just growing yeah. me so I can hold more. <laughs> no, I love that. So, um, and, and thank you for being so honest there, because I mean, I know I'm asking really deep kind of questions here, but it's kind of for me, I, I suppose I just like swimming in the depths of the swimming pool and kind of take other people in with me. So I hope you don't feel too thrilled. I'm in. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? No, it's perfect. I love it. I love it. This is definitely one of my favorite and like definitely one of my more favorite interviews in a long time. We're good. Okay. So, so our, our title, right? How to create change when people are committed to avoiding it at all costs. Now, uh, one of the things I just want to comment on before we dive into this is, you know, I've worked in the change industry now for, um, gosh, over three decades. And, um, I could say quite honestly now, and I do say it very openly, people don't like change. We don't like change <laughs> unless even the changes we choose for ourselves, we don't like. So for, for us to come up with this title, it's like this is the very heart of the challenges facing change makers to me. Yeah. And so, you know, before we go into what it means to you, what brought you to this space with change makers? Because, you know, there are many places we can work in change where, let me be honest, it's a bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> but here with yeah. your title, you're like, you're going right in now. You're like, okay, I'm going yeah. to the heart of the matter to where I'm really needed. This is the work I'm going to mm -hmm. do. So tell us about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, that's a good question. It's kind of twofold. So there was the, on one hand, I just kept seeing that the people who would take to my work were the change makers, the people who were willing to go into the depths of excavation to really bring forth the unique wisdom that they're meant to bring, but again, go through the dark to get to that light, to bring the unique wisdom. Those people were the deep feelers, the deep thinkers, the change makers. And so on one hand, it was simply, gosh, this is where my work is not only needed, but these are the people who want the work. These are the people who are ready, right? Mm. And at the same time, there was another element of like adventure and like, this is what's fun for me because I want to witness like, and don't get me wrong, like I have a few clients, which that's the, the beauty of the change maker though. Some of them are beneath the surface in the corporations we don't see. Oh, that CEO of that large corporation is actually doing this work. Or, oh, this person inside of that large, like we don't see that change makers are everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to serve people that aren't, you know, openly actively doing life-changing things. Most of my clients though are. And what is fun for me about that is the adventure. Mm -hmm. Like I get to witness gifts come forth from my clients that are like, holy what? <laughs> like, of course you can do that. Things that I, you know, we get to only experience what's inside of ourselves and, and what our deep knowing and, and unique wisdom is, right? That's our experience. But I also get to experience more of what's possible in this amazing cosmic beingness that we all are with my clients as they experience theirs. Mm -hmm. 
Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, it really does. And I think that's one of the, the joys of the work we do is, you know, being the guides, the enablers, the inspirers, the people that really give those change makers their ground and, and support that, well, doing the impossible, let's call it that, because I think that's what many of us are being called to in these times. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. So, I mean, I've just mentioned there the times we're living in. <laughs> I don't mm. think we can ignore mm -hmm. the context here because uh, I don't know about your experience, but my sense in, um, you know, kind of working with energy, let's say in spaces that is not normally open and welcome <laughs> to energy conversations. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're opening a lot more now. Um, and I have been doing uh, energy and resonance work in, in the C-suites for, gosh, decades now. But kind of, and we, we, talk, we spoke to this a little bit before we started recording, which was the kind of, it's kind of hidden underneath other marketing messages. And then we do the real work when I get the clients. That's been my journey for many years. But in the past, maybe three years just before the pandemic in 2019 I started to notice an opening and awakening where it was almost like the bolder I got in my messaging the more uh, I suppose you could say the more attractive or more engaged my audience became and yeah. I just wonder what's your experience right now because there's a lot of people in our, our audience that are working in this space and still afraid to be completely themselves so I'd love to get your sense on that Jordana because yeah. it kind of links with our creating change when people are committed to avoiding it <laughs> it really does it really does yes so I've noticed a very similar evolution very similar okay um, it's, it's been really interesting. Like I even, uh, we, we've left some of the energy conversation out of our marketing messaging until fairly recently. And we had people asking for it. We had people saying, wait, but I get this sense that you work with energy, but that's not in, you know, this book or this thing. I don't get it. And, and we started to realize, oh my God, really everybody wants to hear it everybody that we serve wants to hear it even like i've had some very corporate people come into the container actually enter sorcerer school which is the container in which i serve my clients yeah. very corporate people enter sorcerer school the people you would least expect to love the energy conversation and they will go straight to the like the onboarding videos that talk about energy and talk about how we're getting that's like that's where they go <laughs> right away and they're so like that's what they want first and foremost yeah and i i love that but so so for me this is like it's almost like a i don't know it's like there's an awakening there's something happening now in the like globally that uh is starting to i, I see it sometimes as waking us up to the invisible so i'd love for you to share with our audience like we're talking here about the transformation you take people through the this change that you're committed to doing even when people are committed to avoiding it. So can you walk us through, like, what is the transformation that you take people through so that our listeners can get a really good understanding of, you know, who you are and what you're passionate about? Yeah. So the transformation I take people through um, 
it's a process and it's it's a framework. So I'll first say, are you familiar with Fibonacci sequence? Yes. Or the create yeah, right? So I call that the creation spiral. Yeah. Um, and if you know other people may have heard of it as the golden ratio or the spiral you see in a seashell, right? That moves yeah. through through all of us. So I work with Fibonacci sequence. It started to guide me many, many, many years ago, and it guided me to cultivate my work as such. And so my work is very much a combination of structure and flow. We work with really powerful energetics. So some of my clients are energy workers themselves, mm-hmm. you know, or intuitives, like they already use energy in their work. And some of them are just starting out, but it doesn't matter because the Fibonacci sequence has guided me to create a container where it's powerful for all. So I take people through a process. We work from a um, more foundational nuts and bolts perspective. We focus on how you relate, how you communicate, and how you innovate. Mm. For all of them from the inside out. So what are your internal communication systems? And how are your internal communication systems guiding you to communicate in a way that can be received by all people that are meant to receive your message? For example, right? Or how are you innovating internally? I've seen some innovators who are like, oh, I'm a great innovator. (laughs) And then they come into the container and embark in this work and they're like, oh, wow, I had so much resistance to other layers of what I'm meant to be creating and who knew what was in the way. Wow. So I take people through a process of clearing the way in our internal systems, working with mind, body, soul, and spirit, clearing the way, and then being able to source your unique wisdom, get closer and closer and closer in touch, learn how to harness your structure and flow of your internal systems of wisdom. And then I, tr- I train people how to bring it out into the world in a way that their internal is reflecting what they've always known it was possible rather than some of like what happens with change makers is unconsciously it often reflects our soul wounding around it so we have this knowing and we know what's possible and we just keep meeting resistance and people don't get it and people don't want to hear it or people are oppressive or there's power struggles right not realizing oh that's protection i had around my own wisdom oh i've got to clear that protection so as the clearing happens, it becomes easier for the, the leaders and change makers that I work with to bring their wisdom out into the open in a way that is really, that really lands. And from there, because of the inner to outer experience, their money becomes more of a flow. Their business grows faster. Like every, you know, if they have a team, their team, like the productive, everything in the external starts to line up with what their soul always knew was meant to be. And that just makes perfect sense to me. It really does. What you're speaking to there is, is, you know, people getting themselves out of their own way first, clearing that path, like you say, because, you know, very often we think when we, we buy programs or we're going on any development at all, that we just need to keep adding on more stuff to what we already know. And we forget that unlearning is a very powerful process in its own right, like stripping away the blocks so I I love that you do that and I can I can really imagine that you know once you clear the way for me that's when resonance kicks in that's our natural state and that's when you know people don't realize that our very essence we kind of have everything that we need uh to to kind of move forward 
in powerful and profound ways. So I love that you speak to that, Jordana, because I think that's a message that somehow along the decades or whatever have been lost um, to us humans. And I, I do think it's really important. So let me ask you, because for you to be doing this work, I get the sense that you've been on your own journey. <laughs> You've talked about going through the depths. You've talked about, you know, build, building a business, calling yourself a, 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 a modern day sorceress, you know, having this calling. And what I'm interested in is kind of the process that got you there. And I'm kind of speaking on behalf of our listeners a little bit here mm -hmm. to get you to unpack that a little bit, because there may be somebody listening right now that has a sense that they're being called to something, they have a knowing of something, but they haven't got a clue what to do about it. And I'd love, yeah. I don't know if there's some stories from your, your own experience or some insights or some wisdom you could share, but I sense that that could be really helpful for some people. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so it, what feels like in more service. So I'm happy to tell my story. Why don't I tell a little bit of my story and then uh, what, what's coming through? Well, we'll just see what wants to come through for those who might be in that position right now. So a little of my story. Um, I mean, like I said, it, it, the calling happened very, very, very young. My uh, original awareness of my calling though, I was anti-business because I saw the way my father who was overly educated and an oppressive businessman. I saw the way he was doing business and I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And so I entered the realm of social services at a really young age. I was 15 when I was literally working on the streets as a social worker. So, um, and I, and I went on from there, I was like training, you know, intern, I was training people to go intern in social services in, uh, in undergrad. Like I ran a whole program teaching people how to enter the arena. So I like, wow. it, it was, it was my thing for a very long time. <laughs> right. But I found that the systems were just so freaking broken. Right. <laughs> and though I now recognize that I could have actually transformed those systems if I wanted to stay inside and go through my journey, that just wasn't my path at the time. Right now I get that somebody could stay inside of those systems, the broken systems, and do the soul excavation, go through their own soul excavation that I went through, their own version, and be able to transform those systems. But that wasn't my path. So I left social services because, you know, at the time, systems too broken, and I entered business. And I started my first company. And I gathered $2.5 million in investment. How I did it with a social worker's background, I don't even still get. <laughs> <laughs> My first investor um, became a champion, or actually was a second investor who became a champion investor. He was like, oh, you've given yourself a self-made MBA. And he was a teacher of entrepreneurship at Berkeley. And he, okay, self-made MBA, let's, you got this, let's do this. So I gathered two and a half million in investment. I moved my company and not the team, the team was international, but I moved myself up to the Bay Area and we were about to build out a flagship, like a physical space, a brick and mortar space. And literally the day I drove my U-Haul up to the Bay Area was the day of the 2006 market crash. Oh gosh. And the investors, they hadn't signed the checks yet. 
they were supposed to sign the checks when I got there. Yeah. So they lost all their liquidity. The market was just like, no one wanted any, it was an art center that I was building. It was all about using the arts and creativity for personal growth. And no one wanted anything to do with anything that different at that point. So I crumbled. I crumbled under the weight of I was in a new area, all alone. I knew no one. I still had an eating disorder that I had not fully overcome because every therapist I had ever been to told me my questions were too deep, too big. So I was still struggling on the inside, even though I was successful on the outside. And when that happened, the struggles forced me to go so deep inside of myself that ultimately the systems that have become the work that I facilitate started to guide me, started to lead me. But it wasn't like, oh good, that was your transformation. Okay, cool. You can move on, you can build your business. No. <laughs> they started to guide me. And I guess this is maybe what's coming through for those of you that are in any form of a soul searching or what's my purpose. There's gonna be many deaths and rebirths. There are. Like after that, I had plenty of others. I ultimately started three businesses before my current modern day sourcer was technically a rebrand. So I guess you could call it three slash four businesses. All had their own iterations of success, but really none like this because this is the calling, right? I had to get there. And the foundation, and I guess that's the other piece coming through for people who are either in a search for purpose, or maybe you know your purpose, maybe you know your calling, but you feel like it just has yet to really build itself the way you know it's supposed to. So the Fibonacci sequence, like the numbers, the way it moves, it, goes, it grows super slowly at first. It's like one, one, one. I don't remember the exact numbers right now, but it's, the numbers are like, are you going to grow already? Come on. <laughs> Right. And then it starts to pick up, right? And then eventually exponential growth. And that is those of us that have a really powerful calling, most of us, not everyone, most of us have to do it that way. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a space of what's my purpose, what's my calling, there are pieces in your life right now that are trying to go, like to bring you there, but you've got to be able to get into the death and rebirth process to get there. And if you are, currently living out your calling, but you feel like it's not growing as rapidly as you know it should, same thing. There are pieces in your external life trying to guide you, but you got to go through the death and rebirth to get there. Mm. While you were talking then, I just had an insight. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it because I don't know if I've ever really thought about it in this way before. And it's kind of interesting as you were talking there, Jordana, you know, and I do do a lot of work with other people around purpose and calling and all that kind of stuff. But as you were talking, I just got this sense that it was really quite overwhelming that, um, you know, it's almost like our purpose isn't ours to define in a way. It's kind of, we just, we open and, and our life enables it to move through us so and I say that because what I I was hearing as you were talking were oh my gosh like that's happened to me as well like I think this so if I, I look at my career like I, I'll go okay well I started with a job then I had a career then I had a business uh now I've got a calling <laughs> right yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a, a gradient it's different and there's something very sacred to me about a calling and listening 
to the energies and allowing them to move through me. That's very different to Jane building a business with her head and doing the business plan and, you know, the strategy and all of that. It's, it's really quite a very different experience that I feel like I've still got my training wheels on for, if I'm honest. Yeah. But yeah. that insight that you gave me there about maybe the purpose is, is just something that we have to receive rather than define. You are brilliant. Jane. Isn't that interesting? That is, that is so it. <laughs> that is so it. And that's the misconception about purpose, yeah. right? People yeah. think that you have to do this deep digging to find it. But the more you search, the more yeah. you don't find anything, right? Because it needs yeah. to come to us. Yeah. And what people don't realize too, is that your purpose is in those places and spaces. Right. So to give you an example, right? So what I didn't mention, one of, one of the many chapters that I didn't mention, in between social services and starting this business, I had a short stint in bilingual education. At first, I was like, oh, the systems are broken. I'm going to become a teacher. Why I thought that when those are still <laughs> the systems, don't ask me. I don't know. So I ended up in a charter school working with at-risk kids because as a former social worker, they offered me a job before I finished my credentialing. Right. They were like, oh my God, we need us. Okay, come in now, which was great. It was also kind of a living hell. Like the kids were amazing. I loved the kids. <laughs> it was the way the administrators wanted to run the school and the, what they expected of the teachers and what they expected the kids. And they were quite oppressive, honestly. And I was not going to have that. But the two years, it was like a year and a half, two years that I spent there was so transformative. Had I not taken like my body got sick in certain points had i not gone into the illness and gone okay there's emotion to clear here okay this administrator is being oppressive towards me there's something in me to alchemize mm -hmm. had i not met and greeted those moments as part of my purpose i wouldn't have had the light bulb come on to start the business that wouldn't have led me he to, to ultimately here yeah. right so people don't realize that like when and this is really back to our topic of you know people seem like they're committed to avoiding change at all costs but really when we change makers encounter people's avoidance of that often you know always really it is a doorway or a gateway to our purpose we have though we've got to be willing to love the resistance to love our fear that comes up in the face of their fear our resistance in the face of their resistance because when we do that, it's again, it's purpose flowing through us in all moments. It's trying to choose us, but it chooses us in the hard times too. Yeah. You know, and I, I love that you've brought us to this place of loving the resistance because I think that's a great lesson for, for all of us at this point in time, this inflection point that we're at, I believe, as a world right now. And, you know, when I think of our title, I'm kind of seeing it a little bit different now through our conversation because how to create change when people are committed to avoiding it at all costs. I wonder if it's the change that they're avoiding or whether it's just all the uncertainty and the fear and the unknown and like something's not in their comfort zone. We're asking them to go to their edges if we're asking for change because we're asking them to like, you know, embody or bring in something different, something new. And, you know, I think we have a similar resistance to difference. <laughs> in our world right now yeah. so it seems so very important that 
we all understand our own relationship with resistance in that way. Yes. And, and so, you know, this actually comes also back to the conversation we were having around, you know, the secret and people's conditioning around, well, what really is flow and thinking that flow is only ease, right? Mm -hmm. So many change makers have been conditioned to see the resistance in others. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. <laughs> right? I love your bringing this up. Oh my God. Let's turn the mirror the other way. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, you're just resisting. Oh, you're just in a scarcity mindset. Oh, like yeah. I can't even, it rattles my soul. <laughs> <laughs> and it rattles my soul in a good way because it is like, oh, anytime yeah. I feel rattled, that's in me too. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is you, you're kind of in agreement with this idea of, you know, us being aware of the resistance that we have. Because when I think about the future and I think about, from an energy perspective, when I think about how we do all shape the world unwittingly for a lot of us and, and more intentionally for other people, you know, we're all on different spectrums of understanding that. But when I think about that, I do think about the fact that if we could be aware of our resistance, if we could be more intentional to just step aside with it or deal with it, like you say, and heal it fully, because when I look at the world, Jordana, I feel right now like there's a real pull to healing. And I'm a coach, right? But I feel that the majority of the work I've been doing in the past few years has been around healing. And I'd love to get a sense of as a modern day sorceress, like are there modalities that you use regularly? Because mm -hmm. we've talked about you as a teacher. That seems to be mm -hmm. a thread that runs through for you, whether you like <laughs> yeah. it or not. Right? I, like it. I resisted that word for so many years. No, but I kind of see that you're there in that space. You're definitely a guide. You're definitely a change rate. All those elements. But I just wonder, like one of the conversations I've been having recently with people that are in this space with us is, you know, I think we need to, heal before we can coach and I think we then need to heal and coach before we can lead properly because leading from unhealed stories or those those dark spaces as you refer to them you know doesn't do anybody any good really <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep so yes there are many modalities I use most of them may not be things you would have heard of. Uh, there's literally only one modality that I use that has been taught to me by, actually not even. She ultimately taught it to me, but in the beginning, it just started coming through me. And she's like, oh, we haven't even, I, I like she hadn't even agreed to start teaching her students yet. Yeah. <laughs> and she saw it coming through me and I was like, oh, I guess it, like, I feel like it is, but I don't want to claim it as mine. And she's like, oh no, it is. So th there is a modality. Ultimately it was taught to me by someone else. Um, her name's Laura Hames Franklin. She recently passed away and she labeled the modality UHP, Universal Health Principles. Um, it is a form of energy work and I just call it links. 
inside of Sorcerer's School because it's it's essentially like untangling the Christmas lights of the soul. Like it's untangling all the, you know, if you're untangling Christmas lights that like you can't get to the core thing yet. You can see the core tangle maybe if you're lucky. Right. <laughs> but there's no way you've got to go through first tangle and then another tangle. Yeah. And so I use a process of energy work with my clients where we untangle those things. And what that does is it helps them get closer to themselves. It untangles the things that have been blocking or, you know, blocking them or causing resistance, stopping them from getting into themselves, which is where their wisdom is. Mm-hmm. The rest of the modalities I use are also just things that have, you know, begun to come through me. So not things like, for example, I use something that I call the matrix of the mind. Mm-hmm. And that was actually taught to me in a medicine ceremony, a couple of medicine ceremonies, the hardest things I've ever done. Right. <laughs> During that, the first particular ceremony, um, the person, he didn't call himself a shaman because he just did not like that word, but magical human being came in to check on me. I was the last person in the temple. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. He's like, good, you're doing it right. Go back in. (laughs) And that, what I was taught in that ceremony, the matrix of the mind. So it's like Mm -hmm. systems of, you know how the mind can feel very tight and the resistance is like the projections or resistance it can just be hard to escape from that zone mm. i teach people how to go there mm. and how to let the clearing ultimately become easy and untangle it um, i use a lot of different systems that i've learned in the body some of them are very chinese medicine-esque yeah. uh, to get in touch with the energy systems of the body and the list goes on um, i've got a whole array of modalities that i teach to my clients it's important. The only one I don't teach right now is links because it would be a little much to just directly teach. Mm-hmm. Everything else, though, my clients learn how to do within themselves. Yeah. And then we also use systems and processes that help them connect their unique wisdom to those modalities so that they become their own and they're able to bring them into whatever spaces they're working in and working with. Mm-hmm. And you're shining a light here on how fast the energy work can be (laughs) Um, because it's such a massive field with so many different modalities and uh, it sounds really intriguing you know what you're doing so um, yeah I'm definitely interested in in finding out more about you and I'm sure our listeners are too but I'm noticing the time uh, at Jolana so I'm just going to ask you um, you know Are there any words of wisdom or something that you might have wanted us to cover today in our interview that we haven't had chance to get to yet? Anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? What might it be? So what's it's it's simple words that are coming through and, and and just reflecting back on our original topic you know how to create change when people are committed to avoiding at all costs again people seem committed right Mm-hmm. They they may even be, but but the the words are super simple, and they are you are the change maker, you are the change maker, and so when you all of our listeners feel into the are element, like what do you feel in the energy of that? Because that being process, the being of the are process, if you take mm-hmm. the the um the verb and you flip it, right, yeah. the being process of it is it is duality. It is darkness and light. It is your resistance and your pain. 
or really the ecstasy in that pain ultimately, as well as your gifts and your experiences and your joys and your passions, right? Mm. Uh, And it is like to really be the change maker that takes the action they desire to take, that has the momentum and the motivation that also your change is received by people. They get it. They want to hear it. They're really open, whether you're gathering, you know, billions of dollars in investment for your organization or whether you're working with one client or even you're parenting your child, right? Any which space or place you are being a change maker, you are the change maker. But again, the beingness is a duality. It requires that duality to find our wholeness. And when you allow the duality and you find your wholeness in that the change you know is possible becomes, again, it's all a flow of energy. You step into the flow, right? Mm -hmm. And the flow will move through you when you allow that. So elegantly stated. Jordana, thank you so much. Um, I have loved our conversation today. And I know our listeners will be, be feeling quite inspired right now and probably taking a lot of insights away from themselves. So thank you so much for stopping by. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. And before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. A big thank you to our sponsors, Coaches Business School, who are helping us to make a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're a coach wanting to grow your impact, you will need to understand how to build a business that works today. Check out Coaches Business School's unique frameworks and methods to help you grow your business in a way that works for you and your clients and helps make a lasting difference in our world. Hashtag transition team. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com and our sponsors at coachesbusinessschool.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.